0: This is Planet Money from NPR.
1: Can you just uh, introduce yourself and uh, say what you do?
2: Uh, Sure. Um, Josh Berrickman, I head the bond indexing group for the Americas for Vanguard, and we manage roughly $900 billion at the moment.
1: Jacob, I called Josh because a few, a very few of those $900 billion that Josh Berrickman manages
3: are our dollars true we both have dollars invested in those vanguard bond funds that josh manages quick
1: refresher on what a bond is companies and governments want to borrow money
3: so they sell bonds and we buy those bonds we lend money to the companies and governments and then they promise to pay us back over time with interest and then we retire hopefully So Vanguard funds own literally
1: thousands of bonds. There's a bond from the government of Indonesia. We're getting 7.7%
3: interest on that one. A U.K. government bond, getting 1%. Apple, the company, there's an Apple bond. We're getting 0.1% on that one. Now look at 10-year German bonds. The 10-year German bonds are paying negative 0.5%, which means we are giving the German government money now. And they are promising. They are promising that they're going to pay us back less money later. Something like we give them 1,000 euros now, and in 10 years or whatever, they give us back, say, 950.
1: I asked Josh about this.
3: I noticed that we hold
1: German treasuries, um, and I feel like, like we're giving them money and they're giving us back less money. Um, what 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 are we doing on that front?
2: Um, Well, that's a a very popular um, topic these days. Yeah, it's
3: popular because negative interest rates are showing up on all kinds of bonds, not just in Germany. There are negative interest rates right now on government bonds from Japan, France, Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland. There are even negative interest rates on bonds from a few giant corporations like Siemens and Nestle.
1: What's your best estimate of how much negative yielding
2: bonds are out there? Uh, so I think the most recent figure is $16.5 trillion.
3: $16.5 trillion of bonds that pay you back less than you put in. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Keith Romer. And I'm Jacob Goldstein. All over the world, interest rates are super low. Companies and governments are cashing in on it. The president of the United States is tweeting about it. Today on the show,
1: why is this happening? What does it mean that interest rates have gotten so low that we don't even get
3: all our money back when we lend it out? It's a question that goes to the heart, not just of our retirement funds, but really to the economy of the entire world. All of it. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital
0: age. I'm Sarah Rosalski. I'm Gregory's mother. I'm wondering if you could explain the demonetization of India.
3: (laughs) Are you kidding? No.
0: You know who can? (laughs) Gregory! That's right. Next week's Planet Money newsletter. How do you subscribe? Go to npr.org slash planetmoneynewsletter and then subscribe there.
2: Okay, I think I'm with you
1: now. Okay, great. Um, What I want to do is I want to sort of imagine us in the state of nature, whatever that means for for borrowing and lending. (laughs) Do you want to be the lender or the borrower?
2: I'll be the lender. Okay,
1: (laughs) that's perfect. (laughs) Um, Oh, and can can I get you just to introduce yourself? Okay.
2: This is Alan Blinder, professor of economics and public affairs at Princeton University.
1: Okay, so Alan Blinder, professor at Princeton, Uh, you are sitting in, let's say, a meadow on a rock with your box of gold coins, um, and I need to borrow coins from you to open a blacksmith shop. What's, what's that going to cost me?
2: Well, that would have depend on the going interest rate of the state of nature. Let's suppose it was 3%. Then if you needed 100, you have to pledge to pay me back 103 at the end of a year. Now I come
1: back the following year, same meadow, same box of coins, except that now instead of just you, there are seven professors on seven different rocks,
2: all with their boxes of coins. Uh, What's your play? Well, now there's more competition in the market, so it's possible that you could get a better deal.
1: I mean, Larry Summers just offered me 102 instead of 103.
2: Yeah, well, I'd have two choices, right? I, I could match the 102 or try to best it, or I could say, go ahead and borrow it from Summers. Uh,
1: okay, okay, okay. So now a van rolls up, anachronistic, but still a van rolls up, there's more blacksmiths, 10 more blacksmiths get out.
2: Right, now now the market dynamics have shifted in favor of the lenders. you got a lot of people wanting to borrow money. So if anything, you would expect the cost of borrowing, that is to say the interest rate, to go up. You may have to pledge to pay back 104 or 105 or something like that. It's the basic lesson of supply and demand. Uh, if, if there's a surge in demand, that tends to push the price up. If there's a surge in supply, that tends to push the price down. And in this case, the relevant price is the interest rate. Alan Blinder is very good at this. He really went down that road with you. He's a pro.
3: So, So this idea that you and Blinder were talking about, the idea that interest rates are a price that is determined by supply and demand, this idea is central to the way economists think about the world. You know, like at any given moment, the economists say, there is some magical interest rate that balances how much lenders want to lend and how much borrowers want to borrow, and that keeps the economy just rolling along smoothly. Economists call this magical rate the neutral interest rate. Also, confusingly, sometimes
0: they call it the natural interest rate.
1: First of all, do you have a preference between the two, neutral or natural? Uh
0: No, I have no preference. I I can live with it.
1: That's Olivier Blanchard. He's at MIT and the Peterson Institute now, used to be the chief economist at the International Monetary Fund. Blanchard says the natural rate of interest in the real world, the rate set by how much people want to lend and how much people want to borrow, that rate has been falling for decades, and it is now very, very low. The technical definition, by the way, uh, the natural rate is the rate at which inflation is steady and the economy is at full employment. So, okay, the natural rate is
3: low. Obvious question,
1: why? Okay, so... Blanchard says there are a bunch of reasons for this, both on the supply side and the demand side of the equation. On the supply side, over the last few decades, there's just been a lot more saving in the world. In our meadow, that would mean a lot more professors with a lot more gold coins to lend.
0: The first explanation is what has been called the savings glut by Ben Bernanke in particular and others. And the notion is that basically people are saving more, countries are saving more.
3: This part reminds me of this conversation I had a few months ago. It was actually on the show earlier this year, a conversation with a guy who runs this sort of a tech real estate company. And he told me a while back he got this call from somebody who said, I want to invest in your company. And the CEO was like, oh, we're okay. We don't really need to go through that right now. No, thank you. And then the investor was like, no, I have a problem. I have all this money from a rich oil state in the Persian Gulf. And my job is to invest this money. And I got to give it to you. I need you to take this money like that is the savings glut. You know, you have these whole whole nations with just piles of money in China and Singapore and Norway. And then you have these giant institutions, pension funds and big endowments, and they all have all this money that needs somewhere to go. And it's it's not just the countries and the pension funds. Blanchard says
1: the savings glut is also about just people, regular folks.
0: So on saving, I think the main issue is demographics, right? The fact that we are, uh, we are aging societies and aging societies tend to save more.
1: All around the world, people are living longer than they used to. And if you're planning for 30 years of retirement instead of
3: 10, you're just going to save more, yeah, you're going to put more gold coins in the box, right? that That is the supply side. More people with more money to lend out, all competing with each other. like, please take our money. Blanchard says it's important to think about the
1: demand side as well, the demand for money, people and especially companies looking to borrow. there There are a bunch of reasons people, and especially businesses, want
3: to borrow less than they used to, yeah, Blanchard basically said, like, there are three big ones, right? Like, One is the stuff that companies buy to make more stuff, you know, big machines and robots, that stuff has gotten cheaper. So companies don't need to borrow as much money to buy the stuff they need. Number two,
1: think about the kinds of companies that are dominating the economy today. The big tech companies, Facebook, Google, things like that. They are not in the business of making stuff at
3: all. Right. So they don't need to go out and borrow to buy tons of machinery the way old industrial companies did. And the third issue, and this is the big one, the fundamental
1: issue with demand is what companies see when they look out at the world. Economic growth is really, really low. Like, go back to my blacksmith. If Blinder was going to lend me money at 3%, I'm not sure I can make enough money smithing
3: to pay him back. So I don't borrow the money. So there are all these reasons that there's both more supply of money to lend out. All these people have all this savings that they want to lend. But at the same time, less demand to borrow that money. And that combination is what is driving interest rates down. And this isn't just a problem, like, for 2019.
1: Blanchard says this might just be how things are now.
0: Demographics are not going to change overnight. Investment is not going to suddenly explode overnight. So the best guess is that these interest rates are going to be very low for a long time.
1: Are we talking... 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years?
0: We're talking about all this. The rates that people are willing to borrow or lend at at 5 years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years are very close to zero. So it's clear that investors on average believe that that's going to be happening for a long time.
3: So this is the interest rate world that we're living in that I guess maybe we're going to live in for the rest of our lives. There are these two words that we haven't (laughs) said... After the break, what about central banks? This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express. Say yes to payment flexibility and card choices, including ones with no annual fee. Don't do business without it. Rates and fees apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash no annual fee. Hey, everyone. It's Cardiff Garcia, co-host of Planet Money's daily economics podcast, The Indicator, This week, we look at why emergency rooms are drastically more expensive than urgent care centers. Did you just say that one of the reasons ERs charge more is because they can? Tune in to The Indicator from Planet Money for your daily economics news. So, okay, central banks, these big institutions, they're supposed to be independent from lawmakers, politicians, presidents. In Europe, it's the European Central Bank. In the U.S., it's the Federal Reserve Central banks are what we talk about when we talk about interest rates. For example, the president of the United States on Twitter. And I quote,
1: The Federal Reserve should get our interest rates down to zero or less. And then later in the same thread, he writes, The USA should always be paying the lowest rate. No inflation. It is only the naivete of Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve that doesn't allow us to do what other countries are already doing. A -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we are missing because of boneheads.
3: Now, If you were Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and you read this tweet, you got a couple of possible responses. Number one, quit it. Hey! Oh, man. Another more nuanced response would be, look, there is only so much a central bank can do. Yes, we can lower interest rates a little bit to stimulate the economy if it's sluggish or raise interest rates a little bit to cool it down if it's overheating. But ultimately, we, the central bank, are beholden to that natural rate. Right. Remember the natural rate from the meadow,
1: the rate that gets determined by the supply and demand where the professors are lending the gold
3: coins to the blacksmiths, and the economy just runs along smoothly. So say in the meadow, the professors are lending gold coins to blacksmiths at 3% interest. And everything's great. People are borrowing. People are lending. The economy is just humming along. Three percent is the natural rate of interest in the meadow. Now imagine somehow the Fed appears, whatever, magically in this meadow and says, actually, we think that three percent interest rate is too high. And we're not just going to tweak it. We're going to lower it a lot. Now the official interest rate is zero. Now, if you're a blacksmith,
1: you're thinking at first, Great. I'm going to borrow all of this money. I'm going to go crazy borrowing. I'm going to go crazy spending. But all that spending is going to drive
3: up prices and eventually inflation is going to explode. That would obviously be very bad. Now, imagine, on the other hand, same Meadow professors lending gold coins at 3%. This time the Fed walks in and says, Now, all the professors have to lend at 10 percent interest. So for me and the other blacksmiths, that's terrible. Right now, none of us can afford to
1: borrow anymore. We're going to have to start closing up our smithies. The economy freezes up. No more cauldrons.
3: So central banks are really kind of tied to this natural rate. If they try and set interest rates way below the natural rate, there's like this frenzy of borrowing and spending. And that creates this massive inflation. On the other hand, if they set interest rates way above the natural rate, they choke off borrowing. People start getting laid off. There's a recession. And in the real world, in the U.S., right now, the natural rate is somewhere around 2%. And the Federal Reserve has set its key interest rate right around 2%. In Europe, the natural rate is even lower. It's
1: below zero. So the European Central Bank has set its key interest rate at negative 0.5%. So this is the world, the negative interest rate world, where people are lending out money and getting back less. And yes, it is weird. Alan Blinder says, until recently, people didn't even think this was possible.
2: If you hold dollar bills, cash in the mattress, you're getting zero. And so the thinking, which turned out to be wrong, is why would anybody ever take anything less than zero? Well, it turns out it's pretty inconvenient not to mention dangerous To keep thousands and thousands, or if you're a financial institution, billions of dollars in paper money. From a practical
1: perspective, it's not a great idea to literally put $50,000 in your mattress.
2: Yes, or a
3: billion dollars in your mattress in the case of a big institution, right? But if you want a safer alternative and you want to hold actual cash, there is a cost, right? You know, you got to pay for the vault, got to hire guards. The lasers that you have to crawl under when you're busting into the vault? Not cheap. And, you know, lending money to the German government, buying a German government bond, is basically as safe as putting money in a vault. So the new thinking is interest rates on those bonds can be a little bit negative.
2: So we now understand that you can go negative, but there's a limit. Uh, If the central banks tried to force very, very negative interest rates, then I think you would see people hoarding cash.
3: So he's saying... Yeah, sure, the European Central Bank can set its interest rate at 0.5%, barely negative. But if it tried to lower its rate much more, then people would start hoarding cash in vaults. And here's the problem, the European Central Bank does need to lower rates more. Yeah, the natural rate of interest in Europe is probably around 2%. And Germany is now on the cusp of a recession. And the way central banks fight recessions, the way they stimulate the economy, is by lowering interest rates. But what Blinder is saying is if the ECB does lower its interest rates a bunch more, it won't work. People with money to lend will say, no, I'm not going to lend out my money and get paid back that much less. I am going to just put it in the
0: vault.
1: And Blanchard says this puts the European Central Bank in a really tough
0: spot. They have to say that they can do something or in their heart of hearts, they know they can't do much.
1: In our lifetimes, the world has worked like this. There's a recession, people get laid off, and the central bank steps in, lowers rates, and pulls the economy out of the recession. That world
3: may not exist anymore. And that's scary. So when the next recession comes, and in Germany, the next recession may be right now, Blanchard says we shouldn't look to central banks. We should look to the people we elected. That's the parliament in Germany and Congress and the president in the United States. He says they could fight the
1: recession by borrowing and spending huge amounts of money. It could be for whatever they want. Infrastructure, tax cuts, fighting climate change, if the problem is that people and businesses won't borrow and spend enough, the government has to be the one to do it.
3: Is there some abstract economic idea that we should explain with a painfully extended metaphor? More blacksmiths! Email us. At planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Instagram. Today's show was produced by Nick Fountain. It was edited by Jessica Weisberg and Brian Erstadt. Our supervising producer is Alex Goldmark. Planet Money has a newsletter. It's great. It comes once a week. You can sign up for it at npr.org slash planetmoneynewsletter. Again, npr.org slash planetmoneynewsletter. I'm Keith Romer. I'm Jacob Goldstein. This is NPR. Thanks for listening. After the break, central banks. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, 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 folks out there in drive time land. Central banks coming up after the break. Stay tuned. Back in two and twenty.
3: Two and twenty is what hedge funds charge. That's right. It's a little
1: insider joke. Hedge fund
3: radio.